Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's show we're talking all about PSG's 2-2 draw against Brest. We're going to talk PSG finances, transfers, and so much more. But before we get into all of that, go ahead and make sure you visit psgtalk.com for all your Paris Saint-Germain news. We're also on Substack and you can subscribe for free. I've got a new column up about a certain Liverpool player we may talk about later who could be a good fit for PSG. And if you enjoy this show, subscribe and leave a review if you can. All right. Here to help me discuss all things PSG is Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Uh, Ethan, I think you are in an especially good mood. I saw your t-shirt after this weekend. You're 49ers. They reached the Super Bowl. Just give us maybe 30 seconds on how you're feeling about that. Yeah, thanks, man. And you know what? I'll I'll briefly touch on uh, your Ravens should be there, but um, that would have been really fun if we had a Christmas Day rematch. But um, yeah, I was bummed to see that. I I, I don't think anyone in America really wanted to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, but I'm feeling good about our chances. I'm feeling better than uh, about this one than we did in 2020, so uh, where they they beat us with a fourth quarter comeback. But um, man, my Niners have been a definition of winning ugly, I think, so far. Just not coming out with good game plans, and the halftime adjustments have been the key. So, uh, yeah, very excited. Still have not seen them win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I don't know how, uh, but hopefully that that drought ends this year. So, All right, I think we've done our allotment of a few minutes on American football. Let's get back to European football. Uh, because I want to talk about PSG's 2-2 draw against Brest at the Parc de Prince. PSG opened up a two-goal lead in the first half. You had Marco Asensio scored a really nice uh, chip of a goal. Then you had uh, Randall Colomani, sort of, you know, opportunistic. He he was able to toe-poke a goal home after it sort of was saved. And um, But then in the second half, PSG just fell asleep. They lost their intensity. Um, Brest were well organized throughout the entire match, and they took advantage. Uh, there was a Danilo own goal, and then what I thought just a very pleasing on the eye, a very sweet back heel goal. Uh, Brest for the equalizer. Um, late in the match, you had Bradley Barcola picked up a second yellow, which really shouldn't have been a second yellow, and so he was sent off. He'll be suspended for the next match. So there was a lot to take away from this one, Ethan, and I'll, I'll hand it over to you, but tell me, what did you like from this match? What didn't you like from it? Yeah, um, I, I think normally, you know, on a normal weekend, I'd be a little bit more upset with that draw, especially given that Stade Brestois are, they're they're behind us, what, eight points on the table, but we could have gone Third place? Po- uh, yeah, they're in third. I think just eight, six or eight points behind us, something like that, and we could have gone eight points clear and uh, above Nice, but we're only in third. Uh, that said, the uh, the NFC Championship game win for my Niners, I think, was uh, – I was so ecstatic with that that I was thinking afterwards, you know what, I'll take a PSG draw if I'm going to get that because uh, I think I've just – I've referenced it before. Those are, those are my two teams I'm waiting on to see them win a title. So uh, if, if one of them had to have an unfavorable result today – then I would have picked PSG, unfortunately. But imagine um, the 49ers win the Super Bowl and PSG win the Champions League this year. That I think almost, you just got to give up sports. Just be like, I'm done. Right. Yeah, that almost happened in 2020. Uh, Niners and uh, and PSG both made the final. So in February right. of 2020, uh, the Niners lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs, which mm. we'll have a rematch of this. You know, exactly four years later. And then in August, we went and lost the final to Bayern. So. That I was two games away from uh, completing uh, my my sports life. Basically, the I, double. We'll call I would it have the never complained about any sports ever again if they had <laughs> won both of those. But um, no worries. If they do it this year, that'll be even better because I'm getting married in April. So uh, it really can't get any better than that. But way to um, hedge it. I like that. Yeah. That no matter what, you're going to end up happy. So that's perfect. Oh yeah, it'll be a good year either way. It'll be a great year. And then if either of them can win the championship that's just makes it even sweeter but um things i liked about the game uh i liked that for the most part the team showed that they could attack fairly well even when killing wasn't having an amazing game uh he was pretty poor i know when people make their tops and flops list uh, after games i know a lot of people put him in the flops list he just wasn't didn't quite have it today and We'll touch on this later. That's 
Uh, and you know, he's been good this month, but we've had weak opponents this month. I, I we'll touch on it later, but I think I'd probably be sitting him on, on Friday against, uh, and, at and Strasbourg. if I can just on that point real quick, because before this interview, I was reading, he, uh, Mbappe was on the cover of GQ and he was doing an interview and there's a big section there where he talks about, there's just too many damn games. And that he loves to play the games, it's no problem, but fans should not expect him to give that World Cup final performance and level of play every game because there's too many games. So you'll see him out there, you'll see him trying, but just the fatigue factor, you can't expect him to be World Cup final Mbappe every single game. Yeah, you totally can't. It's just, and, and he's been a freak of nature so far. Uh, very rarely gets injured. I think his longest injury put him out not even a month and a half, and then he was he got subbed on in the Champions League right about this time last year. Uh, but I, I just think it wouldn't hurt for the guy to rest for one match. I mean, uh, he's going to almost set a – if we make a deep run in the Champions League as well as the Coupe de France, the guy might get close to setting a record for uh, matches played and minutes played for uh, an attacker. So – I just think it it wouldn't hurt if we we gave him some rest. He plays uh, as many games as some NBA players, and football is, I I think is a more well, physically demanding it, sport. It totally there's is no timeouts. Yeah, it totally is. The games are almost twice as long. Uh, I'd, I'd argue it's more physical. You know, you don't see slide tackles in the NBA. Um, it's a different type of physical, of course. But uh, yeah, he's he's going to be playing sixty something games a year, and yeah, a lot of NBA players. Uh, we'll play 65-ish, you know, because you don't really see NBA players playing all 82 anymore. But uh, you're totally right. He's playing as many matches as a lot of NBA players. And that's just, uh, it, you know, so far he's been a freak of nature and it's not an issue. But that's the thing. You don't know when it, it, it you don't know if it'll become an issue. So I feel like it's just best to give guys rest. Squad rotation's important. Um, we got to see what the squad can look like in Le Classique. Back in the fall when uh, Mbappe came off in the 30th minute and the attack was strong. And so Ramos did great. Uh, the delivery was great. And it was just something we, we had to see a little bit different style of play that we don't often see with this team. So I don't hate if if we rest him. Um, other things that I liked, I, I know that they didn't have their best games, but uh, the midfield has been consistent i feel like for me and and it's something we haven't got in the past uh the midfield might not always be amazing but considering how young those guys are uh, it's it's pretty incredible to see him consistently at least solid we know that they're not really going to screw up too bad that often and that's that's nice to see even though i don't really think they did anything miraculous last match um <clears throat> As far as things I don't like, well, you know, let me let me pass it over to you. What what are things that you liked, things that stood out to you? And maybe yeah. by you saying stuff, it'll <laughs> jog my memory. Well, I can't believe you didn't say Bradley Barkala, who I thought was just sensational on the night. Every time PSG were getting forward and, and, and looked exciting and looked like they were close to scoring a goal, he had the ball at his feet. He has such long legs. He he's His ability to just uh, beat his defender – and kind of dangle the ball out there with his foot and then quickly just whip it past them, either nutmeg them or, you know, tap it and run past them. I mean, his, him and Dembele are just sensational and just, you know, worth the price of admission. Um, I love watching them, but him in particular, I thought his uh, pass to Asensio for the goal was exceptional. Um, unfortunate, you know, he, he sent off. The, again, the referee made the wrong decision, shouldn't have had two yellows. But that aside, I just thought Barkla was so fantastic. And um, I saw on Twitter where someone was saying, you know, what, what would we need Rafael Leal from Milan, I, I believe? He was sort of maybe rumored as a summer transfer target. And it's like we, we've got basically that player in Bradley Barkla right right here. We don't need We don't need anyone. We're good there. We're set. And so I just think his ascension in this team – I mean, he's almost a given to be a starter. He's just that good, and he's so young. But um, So he was definitely a big standout for me. Um, Asensio, again, I th the season started out well. Then he had that injury spell. He comes back. Now he's scoring a really nice goal. He was uh, playing some really good balls as well. So I thought he was outstanding. 
you know, the two goals, one was an own goal. It was deflected. I can't believe Donnarumma. Um, and then the other one was just a slick back heel. Nothing you could do about it. But I thought Donnarumma made several really good saves, getting down low. Um, I'm always impressed how big he is, how fast he could just drop down and make a save. So I thought he was really good. Um, I think, yeah, those are those are sort of my, my big standouts um, uh, from this match of, of what I'd like to see. Do we, should we get into what we didn't like? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can get into that, and okay. I guess I could start. Um, and before you, before we move off this, I uh, just was looking it up as you were talking. Uh, Barcola and Asensio are the only two guys. Well, they're they're both guys on the team who have less than a thousand minutes played this year, but they're both in our top seven players as far as goal output. You know, goals or assists created. That's um, amazing. Asensio they need more playing on, time. Asensio won only 575 minutes, and he's above Barcola and a lot of other guys. So when he had the injury spell, and, and so but he did. Yeah, it's just it, it's weird. It feels like when we got him from uh, on, on a free after he'd been at uh, Real Madrid last year, yeah, kind of felt like he was going to be yeah, like maybe a decent uh, rotation guy. And then early in the year, it felt like yeah, he'll he'll be coming off the bench. Um, but every time he plays, he has been getting a goal or an assist in every single match he's playing. He so he gets really minutes, well in this like. Luis so, Enrique system, doesn't he? I, he, he does, just, yeah. He knows exactly what the manager wants from yep. him. He's got this really great telepathic uh, yeah. mind read with Barcola and they just this overlapping style. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting when Nuno Mendes comes back, how he fits into this mold here. Because um, um, yeah. we've got some really fast, skilled players. There's a lot of overlapping, and you throw him in the mix – dangerous could be very dangerous yeah I'm, I'm very excited i wish that we'd had uh, of course we all wish that nuno hadn't been injured if we could uh rescind or just completely eliminate out of thin air any injury i think it would have been the one that nuno mendes had because we would we would have just been a lot better uh we would have suffered in defense a little bit but uh i think that would have been um countered or you know made up for by the 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 goal scoring or the you know the the attacking threat that he poses so um yeah he's been great but as far as uh things we didn't like uh, i'll let you go first what what didn't you like about that match i feel like I'm, i'm just beating a dead horse here i think i say it every podcast i tweet it the set pieces are so horrific we take a corner right the ball doesn't even make it into the penalty area to where the players are. Yeah. It's cleared yeah. by a, a, a Stade Brestois defender on like the edge of the box. Like We can't even get it in the air into the box to maybe one of our undersized midfielders or attacking players. And it's like, even if you did get it there, we're not, we're not going to do with anything with it anyway. It is like such a waste of time. I don't like a lot of times you go to a football match, you're like, oh, quarter kick, everyone stand up, hold your scarves, let's get yeah. ready. When PSG takes a corner, I'm like, take a drink, maybe run to the bathroom real quick. I mean, you just know nothing is ever going to happen. And it's just, I don't, it's, they don't practice. We don't have the right, I don't know what it is. We've talked about it before at nauseum, but it continues to be an issue. Um, on defense, look, it's it's too early to really judge Baraldo, but I think given how young he is, he's untested in Europe, you, and you're having to rely on him. I'm not saying he can't get it done because we're seeing Barkla, who's, who's young, but he came from Leon, so he had some experience in the league. I don't know if Baraldo is the answer. Lucas Hernandez has been a, um, just a revelation. He's been really good this year, but, um, you know, and Pereira, he's, he's Danilo Pereira, he's not really a defender. He can play back there. So I just look at our defense and, you know, it, it needs to be addressed. I know we only have a few more days in the transfer window. So I think this summer I would love to see that whole squad, uh, that that whole part of the team looked at. I think you've got your fullbacks pretty much set. Kempembe may – we don't know what's going on with him. We don't. We yeah. have no idea. He's injured. He's, he's a major injury. We don't know what level he's going to be when he comes back. Marquinhos continues to fall off. He's been here a long time. It's probably time to move on with him because I don't think he's going to be the captain next season. Skriniar, when he was healthy, was super slow and could not turn at all. Um, Great positionally. So I just don't think we have 
a real good solid solution to our center back position particularly that we're all happy about that is consistent it can compete in league on in the champions league and i think it needs to be addressed sooner rather than later and i think if we do go out in the champions league it's gonna it's gonna be because a team figures out how to take advantage of that yeah perfect point right there at the end that is exactly what i said when we drew ralph sociedad i said uh if i'm just taking a guess if we are knocked out by ralph sociedad uh, I think the majority of blame will probably end up being on the center backs, just given, yeah. of course, and I'm predicting how this the game goes. But, um, yeah, I was guessing that it's probably the blame will probably be put on them. Uh, they Now, I'm not taking too much from this match yet, uh, and that's because I don't think that Luis Enrique played his strongest uh defending you know set on purpose marquinhos wasn't playing um did he get subbed on late i cannot remember he um, did get subbed on in the 75th minute um i forget who subbed on he for. did okay okay yeah maybe I, for hernandez yeah for hernandez i believe it was. it was for hernandez okay yeah hernandez has been and been very good but uh we know that he's going to go to left center back as soon as nuno's healthy and then that'll be a, a great pairing there on the left especially with uh, you know, Barcola uh, down the wing and or Mbappe, however they play that. Um, but the, let's see. Yeah. So screening are slow. I, I kind of like, I've given screening are a lot of crap so far this season, but um, I, I think he's actually been, you know, he's decent. Uh, he's not being paid some obscene amount. Uh, I think he's a good guy to have us in the, in the rotation. And Agreed, depending, but it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. I don't know if he should be the yeah. starter. Yeah, um, yeah, I, he's probably not the guy you want in our biggest Champions League games. But uh, Marquinhos probably not either. We've seen him. No, I know. Yeah, a little that's, way. that's kind of the thing where we have a lot of good defenders, and and they have their their things that they're good at. You know, Skriniar is is really strong. And he should be good in the air. He's had a couple mistakes there this season, but we've got that. Um, Marquinhos is is good on the ball, but he always just seems to be, you know, not very clutch in the big moments. You know, when he's got to make that that big time clearance, we've seen in all, a lot of our Champions League collapses and defeats how uh, he's just narrowly missing these kind of opportunities to uh, prevent goals. And yeah, just everyone else. Uh, I. Personally, I, I mean, someone cor- correct me if uh, you don't think this is the case, but watching the replay and the, the highlights of that match over again afterwards, I'm putting the, the blame on Danilo for probably both goals. Uh, at least the second one, that pass that the, the, yeah. they got the back heel flick on in the 81st minute, uh, the defender crosses that low on the ground. It's you know a, a worm burner across the turf maybe an inch off the ground and it goes right through Danilo's legs. Yep. And it's like, man, if, if, if you're sideways or you're doing, you're turned to your side where uh, you're essentially making sure, you know, I don't even know the phrase cause I never played football competitively. Uh, but yeah. when we've all seen the defender do that, they kind of <clears throat> get down crouched sideways and they, side, they block yeah, it's, that. It's so that they don't get megged yeah. and you know, it gives them a better chance to, a little bit chance to force the attacker where they want him. Uh, Danilo's not a defender. He's a midfielder. That's where he wants to be. We, it's just frustrating. Yeah. The weird part is, is that he plays defender for Portugal a lot. Um, bit of a weird situation, but yeah, it's just not there. I'd say they're, they're good. Although uh, I really like Danilo. Uh, everyone likes him in the locker room. That's, that's clear. We've heard so much about that, but, his contract is up, not at the end of the season, but after that, this twenty twenty five, and I just don't see him staying uh, at longer than that, uh, just because I feel like he's just regressing a little more every year, which is natural. He's like thirty three now, and he was never the biggest name, uh, but I, I think it'll probably be the end of him there when when that happens. But yeah. um, <clears throat> other than that, yeah, the center backs are. They're good, but they're not great. Um, and of course, you know, defense wins championships. That's what we say here <laughs> in American sports. Um, and that, let's see. I don't know. I don't really even have a lot of 
stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, one other the, thing I'll one other thing I'll say yeah. is is the the finishing overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Killian probably should have had a goal today. Uh, you know, yesterday, maybe even two if he was real, real clinical. But I would have only expected one goal out of those chances, and he just didn't get it. So it's not even just him. I mean, his finishing in league this year statistically has been phenomenal. Uh, it's the Champions League that his finishing has been a bit off in, and we've seen his unlucky uh, moments in that, like the Sula, uh, what should have been a goal cleared off the line, you know, against Dortmund on match day six, that kind of stuff. But in Liga, he's been actually phenomenal with his finishing, but feels like everyone else just we're not scoring half chances like we're used to. And I get that we're used to having Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, or even before Messi was here, we were, uh, you know, Di Maria as well. We had guys that could finish a lot more of those half chances, and this team just is struggling to do that right now. I think it's just sort of a, a blip. You know, finishing's gonna, you're gonna ride the waves, and then you're gonna there'll be lows. So I don't expect it to be phenomenal all the time. But those are my two main uh, uh, knocks on the game because. The XG showed that we we should have won that by a goal. So just kind of disappointing that we didn't. Disappointing, two two. Especially you know you throw away a, a two nil lead, you would think that PSG could hold on and, and ride that out. With this result in mind, Ethan, though, we've got to play this team again in the next couple of weeks because there's a round of sixteen um, Coupe de France match. So Brest are going to come back to to Paris. You know this is a trophy that. PSG really hasn't been winning with the regularity that the fans would want. So I guess 1 to 10, 1 being very low, 10 being super confident. What is your confidence level that PSG can advance past this breast team that battled them to a 2-2 draw? Yeah, good question. I'm going to go with uh, confidence. I'm going to go like 8.5 or 9. Um, and this is why. I, I don't think that we're going to see – the same defensive lineup that we saw today. And I referenced that a few minutes ago. Um, I, and I said this before the game, and I don't know if Luis Enrique happened to do this or not. We'll see. But I, I he may not have put out the strongest lineup for a reason. Uh, he may have thought it's fine if we drop this game, whereas uh, the cup games are, you know, all of our cup games, you know, Coupe de France and the Champions League, they're both cups. Uh, we got to be prioritizing those games a lot more. And I know we're only six points clear uh, on Liga, but let's be real. Looking at our Liga form this season and Nice's lack of ability to score goals, I don't see any way we don't win Liga comfortably. So for me, if if Luis Enrique tried to uh, big brain the the tactics and the game plan and the you know whole mentality side of it. Last game by not feeling our strongest lineup, not attacking at our, you know, going all for our strengths. If he did that in order to make sure we win the cup match uh, in about 10 days, then I'm all right with it. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. We'll see. We're only going to know that until that match has probably ended. But um, yeah, so I, that's, that's kind of why that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hoping happened, but I'm not too worried about this result. And I, I think we'll do well against them in uh, that cup match. I think I'm with you. I don't know if I would go as high as an eight, maybe a seven. I'll go just a notch below. If this game was on the road, we had to go to uh, Stabrasois, I'd be probably maybe a five or six. Kind of Agreed. A, a yeah. Coin toss. That's an interesting point that maybe Luis Enrique was sort of doing a little gamesmanship here, not showing his, his full you know hand uh, right away, knowing that he's going to have to play them and a week and a half or so, you know, I, I probably in that match, we probably do see Marquinhos out there, strengthen the defense. Baraldo probably doesn't start. Uh, Dembele probably is out there. Maybe he goes with a more traditional four, three, three. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think he's kind of messing with, uh, the Brestois manager there a bit. Let's keep it moving. Ethan. Um, hopefully we, we still have you. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I don't know if we lost you there. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, are you seeing this team improve with every game that they go out there? And if so, do you see this team sort of peaking at the right time, which is basically when the Champions League resumes? Are you seeing this team kind of gearing up for battle? Because we've got some really tough fixtures coming up, not just in the Champions League. You know, we've got Lille, we're going to have to play Nice again. And 
um, you know, away at Strasbourg coming up. These are some tough matches. So are you seeing this team progress the way you want? Are you seeing them, I guess, throwing away a 2-0 uh, lead is not ideal. But just in general, from what you're seeing uh, in 2024, are you liking what you're seeing from Luis Enrique's side? Yeah, if, if you have to put it as a yes or no question to me, you know, I only get, you know, it's black or white, yes or no. I'd say yes, but uh, if, if you wanted a more accurate answer for me, I'd sort of put it on like a spectrum. Let's go like a scale one to 10, like we just used a minute ago. Um, 10 is me feeling very confident, not not confident that we're going to go out and win all of our games, but confident that we're extremely prepared and that we're continually improving. Uh, I'd, I'd put it about a seven, seven and a half or so. Um, I'm seeing improvements slowly. It, it'll take some time, but... I think the biggest thing uh, for me personally, this probably isn't what Luis Enrique is thinking, given the fact that Kylian Mbappe has played basically every minute of every match for the past a thousand years is what it feels like. Uh, but staying healthy in January, I think was our biggest thing. Uh, not having anyone pick up injuries. Uh, unfortunately, I believe Skriniar's injury was that not in the Trophy de Champion? I can't even remember. Um, I believe you are correct. Yes. Okay. It's when he went down. <clears throat> yeah. So that was the one we picked up one injury. That was unfortunate that it was in the very first match after the winter break. Um, <clears throat> I guess from a timing standpoint, if you're going to have an injury, have it earlier so that maybe you can recover by the end of the season. If uh, what he's absolutely needed opposed to if he got hurt in March, then we knew we wouldn't have him for the rest of the rest of the year. But um other than that, I wanted us to stay healthy in January, knowing that we really only had three important matches in about four and a half weeks span. Uh, Trophy de Champion, we won uh, that match in the middle of the month uh, against, was it Lons? It was Lons, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, whatever that match in the middle was, we won that. That's good. Um, and then this match yesterday, those were the three important ones. And we got two wins and a draw. Not bad. Should have won all of them, but... Uh, you know, that's life. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's the cup matches, of course. We knew we were going to win both of those pretty handily. We're playing a, a, a fifth or sixth and then a third division side. So not worried there. I just wish we had rotated the squad a little bit more. But for me, it was about staying healthy because starting the match yesterday, uh, we've got something like 10 matches in the next 37 days, something like that for the next five weeks, we're basically playing two matches a week. And, uh, that's just, as long as everyone's feeling real fresh right now, which I would have rested guys more personally, but I'm not Luis Enrique and I'm, I'm not with the guys every day. So if everyone's feeling real fresh, then perfect. I think we're about as prepared as we really can be just because we know this next, the next five weeks of the season are basically the most important. Uh, we'll either be uh, basically five or maybe five and a half, six weeks. Uh, we will be either in the Coupe de France uh, semifinals and, you know, big points lead on Liga and in the Champions League quarterfinals, or we might not be. We might be knocked out of one of one of the cup competitions maybe we struggle in Liga. so yeah this this is the important part of the season after about march 5th when the um the second leg against sociedad is after that for the rest of the year it's a lot of one match a week so really the the fixture conge congestion for us is at uh, a peak in february so um I don't feel like we're 100% there, and I hate to do this. I think I said this in December, I believe, when we last talked. But uh, I unfortunately want Hakimi to get eliminated in AFCON tomorrow um, because if he gets all the way to the final, then we probably won't have him for the first leg against Sociedad, and that would kind of suck. Um, same thing for, for King and Lee. Uh, just, I don't have an attachment to those countries personally. So yeah, I, I, I just got to root for them to be back with PSG as soon as possible. Sorry, nothing personal to South Korean or Moroccan listeners, but, um, so, we, so we're than, rooting tomorrow. We, we want South Africa to beat Morocco. Personally. Yeah. Me, yeah. I know a lot. I know a lot of PSG <laughs> fans don't. I know there are a lot of Moroccan 
PSG fans in France and, and abroad, but sorry guys. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's not personal, but, uh, yeah, South Africa. And then I forget who South Korea, oh, uh, South Korea are playing. I mean, maybe Saudi Arabia. Can't remember, but, uh, yeah, if we can get both those guys back as soon as possible. Perfect. Other than that, like I said, staying healthy, I think was key. Um, but I don't feel, you know, like we're a hundred percent there. It's just these next couple games before the champions league. If we don't pick up injuries and if everyone's feeling fresh, then perfect. Awesome. Uh, I think we're in about as good of a spot as we can be, but I just fear, I got this little fear in me. I'm, I'm a big squad rotation guy in, in all sports. You know, it's just kind of my, my mentality of, of, of availability is the best ability. And if we can avoid getting guys hurt by limiting their minutes, then I'll always opt to do that. So I just wonder if these next three weeks might be too much, but we'll see. Yeah, and that's uh, what, probably yeah. what got us in trouble with Neymar. We never really rested him. And yeah, yeah. Just broke so, him down. Um, yeah, but my spiel was long. But I want to know. Yeah, what are you looking? For? What are you looking at? Um, how do you? Yeah, feel I guess about are we peaking at the right time? When I look at the squad, I think what we're good at is is obvious, and what we're bad at is painfully obvious. I think you know we're scoring goals. We're not scoring amazing goals. We're not scoring every game these you know three or four great team goals, and we're not just. We're not scoring and putting the rest of Europe on notice. No one is looking at PSG like, wow, look at what they're doing. And to be honest, none of the other teams, none of PSG's competitors in the Champions League are looking at anything that PSG is doing in League 1 and taking it serious. They're going back to the group stage and looking at that PSG where they barely scraped by, where they really struggled in away matches. And I don't even think Real Sociedad is going to be scared of PSG whatsoever. And so this is what we don't know. What is that dressing room like for Luis Enrique? What's the training sessions like? Is he seeing – he knows what it takes to win a Champions League. What is he seeing from the team? Are they prepared? And only he can answer that. I have no idea. I can only guess. I'm going to say that he thinks it's going to be an uphill battle against Real Sociedad. Maybe on paper they're better, but it's going to take a real good effort to get past that team. And I think he's probably two or three players away from really competing. And if you lose Mbappe, you may really have to shuffle things around. So I think for what this team is right now, like you said, injury-wise, we're probably as good as we're going to get. We've been really lucky with injuries. I mean, in past seasons, we've been devastated. Uh, Neymar, every season going down, he was one of our top contributors. So we've been lucky in that sense with keeping guys healthy. It's going to come down to that mentality. Does this team have the mentality that maybe past teams didn't? And I, I just have no idea because we're not going to know until they walk out under the bright lights. When Bradley Barkle is out there, can he get it done under the bright lights in the Champions League if they're down a goal and need something? You know, can Dembele score the goal or is he going to slip and fall? And you know what I mean? So I just don't know if, if we have the mentality to get it done. I don't know if this PSG team can overcome a bad refereeing decision. I don't know if they're ready to step up. I know Mbappe will be there, but if he's playing so many games, as he's, he himself said in the interview, I, I I can't give you the best performances every night if I'm playing every this many games. So there's just a lot of unknowns out there that two guys in America talking into microphones, we just can't answer. Um, but those are the big questions, and I, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Ethan, I want to switch gears and get into a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, and that's PSG's finances. And before you guys fall asleep, let me just set it up because there's some really interesting stuff here. So you you sent out a tweet that caught my eye. You recently reviewed the Deloitte Money League report. I want you to tell the listeners what that is and maybe some of the key findings that you thought were interesting and kind of just maybe put those in context and what they may mean to, to fans around the world. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I know that some people don't think that FFP exists, and I'll admit it's definitely been weak in the past, but uh, it is something important. I, I get a lot of people that'll say when I'm talking about money, because as you as you prefaced, I, uh, I like to talk about club finances. I'm certainly not an expert or anything, but uh, I've, I briefly worked in um, – the pro sports industry, not, not any big teams, you know, it was, it was essentially minor league, but, uh, that stuff's just that side of sports has always really interested me. So, um, how we spend our money is, is important of course. And 
people always ask me, well, it's not your money, so why do you care? Uh, it, you know, PSG needs to be run like a business. That that's we're we're not the United States government. Uh, I'm kidding. I won't get political or anything, but uh, you know, it's we can't just spend unlimited at you know however we want. Uh, the financial decisions that this club makes, every single signing, every single sale, every single marketing decision that they make. Uh, does impact the club and impacts our spending power going into future seasons. So uh, the De- Deloitte Money League is an annual report published by Deloitte, of course, and they, they just call it the Money League Report. Um, it essentially goes over the revenue of uh, the top football clubs on earth. Uh, so I'll just kind of jump into, for anyone who maybe hasn't looked at this, I'll just kind of jump into the my yeah. very short recap. And, and if I can just underscore that point about why the yeah. finances are so serious. I mean, look what happened to Everton and look what is probably going to happen to Manchester City. You know, And I know that's lying and there's all kinds of shady stuff, but yeah. there's real penalties coming down for fudging the numbers a little bit, right? The, the yeah. things can happen to you that are not good. Like you said, we've kind of seen what's happened with uh, Everton and Man City and um, – I do like to point out that a lot of fans of, of all teams will see how their rival does. They'll think, no way they made that much money. And they'll say, oh, no, these numbers are fudged. They're they're inflated. And especially for people who hate uh, state-owned clubs like PSG, Man City, and Newcastle, they'll see those numbers and go, oh, that's just oil money. They got pumped in. Um, you can't artificially inflate these numbers. These numbers are verified by multiple uh, organizations and Deloitte is a unbiased third party in all this. So they have no incentive. They're a real company. They're, they're not they're a legit company. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like you see, I mean, no one ever claims that the numbers that uh, the uh, DNCG post that's France football, their financial watchdog, no one ever claims that those numbers are fudged. Uh, and Deloitte works the same way. So now that I'll ju- now that I've prefaced that, saying that no, Deloitte does not prop up PSG. Um, we weren't even top two of revenue in Europe, although we did get our uh, highest ever result on that list, third highest in Europe. We were barely above Barcelona. Um, do keep in mind that Barcelona's levers are only. It's I don't know exactly how they track all that, but. You can't just have a one billion dollar lever if if they sold, let's say, half of all their stadium revenue. They they didn't do that, but let's say they did. Uh, you know, for the next however many years, uh, that money doesn't just get automatically thrown into that. They have they have a complex way of figuring out the the annual value of money made. Uh, so, third highest in Europe, one hundred one point eight million dollars made in revenue. That is an one hundred fifty million dollar difference, essentially from the previous season. Uh, one thing I forgot to report is these numbers are for the season uh, last season. They're not for the calendar year of 2023. They're for the 22-23 season. So keep in mind, this is when we were still making that uh, M&M, uh, you know, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe marketing money. So, um, and we'll see this here in a bit. The big things that are total wages across the whole club were down 100 million, very good. Um, that season before, uh, the the total wages, the, the player wage bill was obviously massive, but it was reported that our non-player, you know, our staff and, and everyone who's a non-player at the club, because uh, PSG has hundreds or maybe even a thousand employees, it was reported that the, the non-playing staff was paid some outlandish number, some number I've, I've never even seen, like in the hundreds of millions and I, I, I don't even know where that comes from. I've tried to look that up many times. I've never figured out a clear answer. However, it's working out. It's down. I think I need million. to work for PSG. Uh, that's the thing. You'd have to work for PSG to know that. So, um, yeah, but total wages down 100 million. Awesome. Part of that was the player wage bill going down about 50 million or 40 million. And then in other ways, they must have uh, got cut 60 million from that. Uh, I almost wonder if it would be like laundering in some regard, but uh, I, I just can't figure out why we would report that, that high of wages. Uh, I'll never, I will probably never learn that, but uh, the revenue to wages ratio was 77%. That's high. That's a high number, but it is a lot better 
than what it used to be. It was 111% last year, season before, which that's just ridiculous. That's absolutely, uh, I've talked about this a lot, absolutely abysmal uh, financial work. Just that's, that's just so not um, sustainable. So down to 77, which is good. Like I said, it was at 91 and 111 the year before. Uh, it was 70, it was also at exactly 77% uh, during the COVID season. And we had, uh, we lost probably a hundred million from COVID that year. So um, long story short, long story short, we're on the right, right path. Uh, we're getting back towards being in a really healthy spot. Most of these clubs that are very serious and, and are run well, they're, that number is normally at about 60, 65 for them at the most. Uh, that's about the average. So um, if we can get down to 65% on that number by next year, that is perfect. We'll be in an amazing spot. Uh, match day income was up $21 million. It's probably just from having Messi and Neymar. Commercial up $18 million. Well, I thought what was interesting about that uh, match day revenue was, is PSG were second highest match day revenue in the world. Just yep. $13 million behind Barcelona. Yep. And the Camp Nou is double the size of the park. It is. Yeah, yeah. That was in my, uh, yeah. You're seeing that in my, uh, the yes. thread, the yeah. second tweet. I just there. thought that was an interesting uh, fact. So yeah, sure. yeah. So the park has always had phenomenal match day revenue. Uh, all these tourists who come into Paris, obviously Paris being one of these mega cities on earth, that they're one of the most, you know, you get Paris, New York, Tokyo, London. Those are probably the most influential cities on earth. So you get a lot of tourists, they come in, they want to see these games. And of course, uh, that season when we had Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, that was such a great thing. They were like, oh, I can see these three superstars. And so the amount of money that they would spend, because I think there's only 5,000 um, box seats at the park. Uh, you guys would not believe the amount of money that the club makes on those 5,000 seats. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. And it is a testament to how well QSI has marketed this club. You can blame them for a lot of things. You can blame them for trying to inflate sponsorship money in 2014. I criticize the club for that all the time. You can criticize them for uh, manipulating FFP rules. Technically, they didn't cheat because the rules were suspended. But uh, instead of downsizing like everyone did during COVID, they did the opposite and got messy, uh, messy to, to prop up you know the club even more. But they are phenomenal at getting tourists to fill out those 5,000 box seats at the park. They make tens of millions from that every year. And it is, in, it's insane. Um, biggest thing is that broadcasting is up 110 million. Uh, that is not, as we've seen for American viewers, uh, that was not put into being sports clearly. Um, and, but- and I want to ask you about that because the, the international broadcasting rights are up for um, yeah bidding now. I don't think the was it the floor, the minimum that the the French league would take. I don't think that was hit when they put it out there and accepted bids. So it's very much up in the air right now. If you're listening to this here in America or you're elsewhere outside of France, who is going to have the league on rights next season is is undecided right at this moment and. You know, I, I looked on – I was on PSG's website and I saw that they had this like PSG Premium Plus or whatever. What's stopping them from charging $100, $200, say, for, for me in America? Say, pay $200, you'll get every league on game live. Right now you can only see replays. Why don't they just be their own broadcaster and take the money straight and just produce it, the games themselves, and people watch that way? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's there's some sort of rules uh, because I think Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid are, are allowed to do that in La Liga. Oh, okay. And I th- and I could be wrong, but I think they have to give a portion of it per like Spanish laws. They have to give a portion of that back to the league to help subsidize and help the other clubs. Because of course, when right. Barcelona play, they're not playing nobody; they're playing someone. So sure. the other club that's playing, of course, they make some money from that, but. Uh, I believe they are able to have their own broadcasting deals. And like I think Barcelona, it's TV, uh, whoever they do their, t- yeah. their their match day stuff through. I think that was one of the levers they pulled. They sold 49% of that for 
some crazy amount for the next 20 years or something. And, and uh, it's an interesting model because we're seeing it here yeah. in, the, in the United States. I think uh, for Major League Baseball, the Padres, I think you, you can just buy Padres I games right. and watch them if you want. Yeah. Um, you could just pay for the team you want and just watch all of their games. It's expensive, yeah. but if you love your team, you'll do it. And mm-hmm. so Apishi had a package like I would pay to watch all of the games broadcast by them and live. Yeah. You know, I would do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Yeah, I, I just don't know if PSG is allowed to do it, but uh, now that you brought that up, I sh- I'll, I'll look into that. Um, to well, to be determined. We'll uh, we'll have to revisit that one. Was there anything else in your report that stood out? I the question yeah. I had is you had like the list of the top twenty clubs, and PSG was third, and it was eight hundred and one million. Mm-hmm. What is that most valuable revenue? Oh, what is that number? Yeah, that's that's revenue for that revenue. season. Okay, so they, they were the third highest revenue generating team in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Real Madrid was first. Man City was second. Uh, they were each. Let me see. Let me go back to that. Uh, they were at eight thirty one and eight twenty six. So we were twenty five thirty million behind them. Uh, Barcelona barely behind us, and then Man United back in fifth. Uh, I'm sure United would have been probably higher than us this year had they been, uh, well, the the year before. Well, were they in the Champions League that season? That might have been the thing. I know that Man United is always phenomenal in revenue when they're in the Champions League, but that may have been the knock on them. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, last thing that I like to touch on from that is that uh, some private equity firm, CVC Capital uh, Partners, they invested a lot into... Uh, I'm just reading it straight from Deloitte's website into a commercial subsid- subsidiary of uh, League de Football Professional. Uh, this provided a cumulative uplift of 120 million to PSG and Marseille, uh, and that was calculated as um, broadcasting. It went into, I believe, a lot. The majority of it they invested into uh, uh, domestic or local broadcasting. So. Um, they made a lot of money from that, and it's, I, from my from my understanding, extremely easy to watch a game, a PSG game or a Marseille game in France. Um, I'm pretty sure they're just on all the national channels. It's not like it's not like what you got here with uh, the NBA, where you got to have like NBA TV to watch most stuff. So um, that was big, and that that was that investment there gave something like maybe 75 million or, or something like that to Marseille and it allowed them to break into the top 20 of this list for the first time in a decade. So they were they were 20th highest revenue in the world last year. As much as I dislike them, I think these top French clubs uh it'd be nice if they could stop just being Europa League quality and if we could have a couple more at least teams that are always in the group stages of the Champions League, maybe they don't get out of the group, but um, would love to see the top six uh, in Liga improve. So, um, I guess last things: women's team made three point seven million, which is eighth in the world. Uh, it is crazy to think the vast contrast of they made three point seven million, the men's team made eight hundred million. Um, that's just sort of a crazy figure to think about. But other than that, that's sort of it. Uh, I think we're close to getting back to pre-COVID numbers where the club was making, right before COVID, the club was making like 30, 40 mil a year. Uh, just This was when we had just Neymar and Mbappe. Uh, despite spending 400 million on them in transfer fees, uh, the club and UEFA and every reputable source out there confirmed that we were a profitable football club because the previous seasons, I'd say we were, we were about break even, which is still good for a football club. Actually, it's tough to be profitable, but uh, we were making pretty good money right before COVID hit. So I think we're close to getting back to that, and uh, I think that's really promising for the club. So sorry that went a little long, but that's uh, a you know ten minute up. I think that went about ten minutes, but that's no, my no, uh, kind of update on it. It's good to know because, you know, we look at the squad and we're like, okay, we're investing in young, talented players and smaller wages. We're not going big anymore on transfers. And it's reflecting to the business side of the club. And you got to be healthy on both sides. And you don't want to be in jeopardy of getting dog points and not qualifying for the Champions League. It's a domino effect. You want to stay out of that kind of trouble. So it's good to see that kind of reporting and that we're 
a healthy club. Not only we don't have that many players in the the training room trying to battle back from injury, and, and we're also healthy in terms of finances. That's good to know. Um, all right, let's wrap up. We got a little bit of transfer talk. We'll, we'll move quickly here. We're running up on time, but um, some transfer activity as of late. PSG officially signed Gabriel Moscardo uh, and then immediately loaned him back to Corinthians. So um, we have him to look forward to. Not promising player. We just don't know. Just like Beraldo, we, we just don't know about these players that are coming over. Um, it's going to take time, but certainly has a lot of promise to him. So look forward to that. Sharon Dor was loaned to Braga uh, until the end of the season. Glad that he's going to be able to get some minutes. I think he's a very promising player. I, I've talked about him before on this podcast. I, I just think he has so much potential. I love his height. I love his technical ability. Let's get him some minutes. Let's keep continue developing him. Be a big player in the near future. So I'm glad he's getting some minutes. One player, Ethan, who remains at the club, surprisingly, Hugo Ekatike. Quickly, do you think he gets a permanent move out of the club this month? Or are we going to be stuck with him until the summer? Yeah, I, I think he will get sold. I think things will ramp up here at the end of the window. And uh, yeah, I, I think he will, man. I, I hope he does. No, no, no disrespect to him, but it's just, uh, just not quite. It's just not going to work out. It's not going to work out. There's, there's no room. You're not getting in into the team right now. So yeah, he's got to go. There's got to be some desperate German or, or Premier League team that can come in and give us something. The problem is we, we paid so much for him. PSG may want to try to at least come out even or maybe even a little bit better, but we'll see. It's one to keep your eye on. Um, and then there was some big news in just the overall football world with uh, Jurgen Klopp announcing he's basically tired. He's exhausted. He's stepping away from Liverpool um, at the end of the season. Should PSG target any of their players and see if they could be uh, interested in a fresh start in Paris? Um, I'll kick this one out just because I just wrote a piece on it. You know, uh, there was an interview with Virgil van Dijk and they were asking him and his response was essentially, I don't know what direction the club's going to go in. I don't know who their manager is going to be. I don't know if they want to be like PSG and get all new younger players or he has no idea. And so I thought, well, his contract is up in, in 2025. This summer may be the last opportunity if Liverpool did want to move on from him to get a decent transfer fee, I thought PSG would be the perfect landing space for him. We need a defender like him, world-class, dependable, experienced. Um, he just scored uh, a header in the FA Cup against Norwich, I think it was. Just a bullet of a header. And we haven't seen something like that since Edison Cavani was here. So, like, I, I would certainly make the call to Liverpool and, and – kick the tires on that and, and and see if he would be interested, talk to his agent, like, hey, you want to come to Paris? You know, especially if you hold on to Mbappe and then also say, hey, we got Xavi Simmons, your uh, national teammate coming back. Why don't you come back down here and uh, we'll give it a go in the Champions League. So I would go all in for Virgil van Dijk. I think he's the perfect defender who we need. But um, any other players? Would you go maybe a, a Mo Salah? Who are you liking on that team that maybe you would want PSG to target? Yeah, I would think my my main thing, just knowing, uh, not that I'm trying to just regurgitate what I think Luis Campos is going to do, but I think this continuing to invest in younger players is a good thing for us. Um, I think maybe take a look at someone like uh, Saboslai. Um, I think, didn't he just get there though? That's the thing. Uh, all the guys that I like for them kind of just got there. Um, yeah, Saboslai or Ryan Gravenberch, I've always really liked uh, him, but I, I don't see them, especially the fact that they're going to qualify for the Champions League almost surely. I think it'll be tough to get any of their, their players to maybe leave uh, unless maybe they just really don't like the head coaching appointment because, you know, these guys are going to be guaranteed Champions League football next season probably. And you um, think about it, they, they went there because of Jurgen Klopp. Yes, Liverpool, yeah. massive club, great. But they Jurgen Klopp had a big part is the reason yeah. why they wanted to go there. A new manager is going to have a new system, a new training regimen, new favorite players. He's going to want to bring in his own players. Make no mistake about that. Mm -hmm. You know, Gakpo, he could be a player. Maybe he isn't in the mix. Could you could you sign him um, if uh, Mbappe leaves? Is you're looking for some reinforcements? So yeah, I certainly think it's an interesting idea that to keep an eye on Liverpool squad with Jurgen Klopp leaving, seeing who the new manager is what sort, yeah. of sort of turnover they're going to have there. 
Yeah, maybe like someone uh, like Konate as well. Uh, he's French. Um, Good call. Yep. It's just uh, from what I've heard, I think he's had a bit of a tough year, if I remember right. I could be wrong. I might be remembering that that incorrectly, but um, wouldn't hate to look at guys like him. And if any of them are uh, Luis Enrique types, and if if Campos feels like we can get a good deal, you know, if if all three of the guys, Nasser and both uh, the Luises, uh, like a player, then they can look into it. And if it's a good fit, but yeah, Virgil Van Dyke certainly kind of sounds, stands out as if we can get him for not a massive transfer fee, because uh, he'll be on the last year of his deal starting next season. So if if he says I want to go. I, I almost promise you Liverpool is a well-run club. They don't just let people potentially go for free like PSG does. Um, not a diss on PSG. We've been a lot better run recently, but um, <laughs> they're going to s- almost surely sell Virgil van Dyke if yeah. they get an offer of like 30 million or, or more, um, especially given that a lot of Liverpool fans uh, criticize their ownership. And so that might be one of these decisions that, Maybe they'd be better off holding out for an offer like fifty, but maybe the owners say, "Nah, we'll 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 take 30. So I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't would know you them. pay thirty to fifty for Van Dyke or ninety to a hundred for Lenny Euro? Oh, because that's that's basically the the decision you, you might have yeah. to make this summer. You if you offered Liverpool fifty for Van Dyke in the summer, they may let him go. I, I think oh, they really think long and hard I, about that. I I think they would let him go for that much. Because, I mean, last year of his contract and his market value right now is about 30 or 35. Right, right. Uh, I just – that they they seem to – I mean, yeah, he's one of their best players, but they're also they're, – they're business people. I, I think something – I think 50 would be enough to get him to leave. That's the, that's the thing. Do you want super young center backs? Historically, center backs are the, the ones uh, – regarding outfield players – the ones that are best when older. So I, I think if Luis Enrique is really feeling like next year could be the year, you know, by the time we get to the summer, if he's feeling real good about how this team's looking, then sure, pull the trigger. If, if you're looking at it thinking, nah, it's, it might take another year to kind of get to our prime, uh, then maybe go with Yoro. Although I would hate to pay $90 million for Yoro, but... That so might that might be what it has to be. Yeah, I think the one thing keeping Liverpool the squad together potentially is you know they are top of the league. They got a really good team, and so um, if they win it all, maybe they they want to stay together and run it back. No matter who the manager is, they seem to be a well oiled machine there. So, um, Ethan, before we let you run, we're gonna just leave everything there. But any final thoughts before we let you go? Yeah, um, one thing I forgot to touch on. Yes, is when we were talking transfer stuff. Um, you were you were mentioning uh, how we've got Beraldo and Moscardo. Those are the two mm-hmm. arrivals this year. Obviously, we're hoping we can get Ekatike, uh to, to leave. And then uh, it would be nice if we get someone like Kurzawa or Navas to leave, but I highly doubt it given their wages. They'll probably just write out the contract and then go somewhere else in June. But um, regarding Beraldo and Moscardo, um, scouts worldwide are pretty convinced that uh, these guys could be I think some of the guys have called uh, Moscardo potentially the next Casemiro profile for Brazil. And then uh, Beraldo has been regarded as potentially the next Thiago Silva profile for Brazil. So, um, and according to Transfer Marked or Transfer Market, never figured out how to say that website's name, even though I'm on it all the time. Uh, that website lists both of them as the uh, highest value, you know, the most valuable um under 21 players, I think they're each under 21, uh, whatever their age is. You know, I know they're like two, three years apart in age. Yeah, but Beraldo is 20, so yeah, Muscardo is definitely oh, younger. Okay. Uh, then I think they're both the uh, – for players 20, age 20 and under, mm-hmm. they're the most valuable non-attackers uh, not currently playing in Europe. I guess they are now, but before we bought them. So uh, definitely – you know, if, if you're playing FIFA or something or, or football <laughs> manager and you're looking for, hey, like, let me get myself a South American wonder kid that's not an attacker like Endrick or uh, mm-hmm. Roque, the guy that Barcelona just signed. If you're looking for non-attackers, these two are going to be at the top of basically everyone's list. So I'm glad we got them. 
if even one of them turns out to be as great as some scouts think they are, then I think we're, uh, it's going to be good, you know, great deal for us. Yeah. And one thing I will say about Peraldo, I don't need a scout to tell me great mustache. Our friend PSG review pod, uh, had tweeted out how great his mustache is. And I said, it needs a little bit more volume to it, but he's on the verge of one of the most elite mustaches in all of European football. I, a, I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> that is a good point. Actually, that was uh, I don't talk about PSG too much with my fiance, but uh, when he got signed, I said, uh, she said like, who is that guy? She saw me looking at a photo of him on my phone. And I was like, Oh, this is a new guy that PSG got. And we just looked at each other. We went, uh, we basically were reading each other's minds. We we're like, that's a nice mustache, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. You're totally right. There's some volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see that. to it. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, maybe he'll turn that like Freddie Mercury-esque someday. Oh, That'd be kind of sweet. Yeah, that's that, what we need in this team. Just that, a, a rugged defender with a badass That's mustache. it. That's, that's going to solve our defensive issues. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that'll be it amazing all right well we'll leave it there up next for psg we got the away trip to strasbourg always an entertaining and difficult match there that'll be on february 2nd then we've got that coupe de france match against Brest. we talked about then you go home you got Lille on february 10th before hosting real sociedad in the champions league um on valentine's day so it is heating up things are picking up quickly We'll have you covered here on the uh, PSG Talking Podcast. We'll we'll get you all of our thoughts on the events that take place. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening, and I'll PSG.